Good afternoon. You're at 3 o'clock on July the 14th, uh, 2022. You are with Podcast with Hope with Father Larry Richards. Aren't you excited? I'm excited. So it's all good to have all of you here, whether you're live or whether you're watching this later. It's, um, it's always a fine time. I enjoy very much being with you this hour every week. Um, again, this is your time to be able to ask questions. You can do it on the live chat. Those of you who are alive, just type in the question, or you can just send emails to my foundation, the reason for our hope.org. Um, you just go there and it says email us and you can put podcast question in there and we'll get it. It's always better to ask any podcast question through the foundation. If you happen to have my private email, it gets stuck in there, lost in there. I read emails. I don't respond to emails. It, uh, people go crazy with me, but it just, it gets to be crazy. So uh, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, sometimes I forward it, sometimes I forgot. So any kind of uh, emails, just write them any kind of questions, send them to the foundation, and then they will get it to me. Let us pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Gracious God of love and mercy, send your Holy Spirit upon us. Help us to know the hope that is forever. Help us to stay focused on you and your love and your mercy and your salvation and your promises that we may live with you one day forever in heaven. We beg you these things, Holy Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Mary, Mother of Jesus, pray for us. Good Saint Joseph, pray for us. And the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. First of all, I want to invite everybody, uh, because it's getting filled very fast, I think there's only eight spaces left to go to the Holy Land with me and John Edwards on May 10th of 2023, so that's less than a year away, and we uh, fly into the Holy Land from various places, you just go to select tours, or you just put Father Larry Richards and uh, Holy Land into any in the Google, and it'll take you to the trip. Again, it leaves May the 10th, 2023. It would be my grandmother's birthday. Remembrance should be like 108 right now if she was still alive. But um, So May 10th, and we're going to the Holy Land. So we'll go to Jerusalem. We'll go to Cana. We will go to the... Uh, uh, Galilee and we'll get to go on Galilee and go on one of the ships and we will go to Bethlehem and be at the place where Jesus Christ was born and we will go to um, the place of the Annunciation uh, and be at the very place that Mary said yes all salvation history began with Mary's yes and we get to be there and usually say mass there we get to say mass at the um, Holy Sepulchre, the place that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. So again, I just encourage you to um, uh, plan on this. And again, some people have talked about uh, the Holy Land still requires uh, vaccinations. That's of now, by next May, who knows? Who knows what's going on with that? But again, that's not my thing. That's the, you know, or the, it's not even an American thing. It's the, the Israeli, Israeli thing. So again, you can look and ask them if that's still happening. I'm not sure, but I'd encourage you, if you want to come, uh, 
come make the reservations early because I think there's only like eight spaces left because uh, we're going to try to keep it to one bus. And if we get too many, we'll go to two buses. But that's a lot of people when you're trying. Each bus holds about 50 people. Um, and so it's easier if we have one bus. Uh, but there's two of us, John Edwards and I. If we did get a whole lot, then we could go two buses. But uh, they'll, we'll have to see. So I encourage you, if you want to come, come. It's a fantastic time. We do all the holy things during the day. And we usually go to the pub of the bars at night and relax and discuss the whole day and everything that's been going on. And uh, we always have uh, a great time. So, again, encourage you uh, sooner very soon as opposed to later. So I've had friends that have tried. Last time I went to the Holy Land and we had two bus loads and when they uh, uh, applied, it was sold out. And so don't let that happen to you. Get there as soon as possible. Okay, let's dwell right in to what is going on here. I have two different realities. Cameron Byers, hi, Father, how are you doing? I am blessed. We start a, I'm going to be very crazy this weekend. We have a, we're bringing back our DME retreats, Divine Mercy Encounter, which goes on from tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. to Sunday at 6 p.m. We have high school kids there, young adults there, and adults there, and uh, it's fantastic. We haven't been able to do it in two years, so this will be our first one back. So again, as I said this morning, please pray that nobody gets sick or COVID. None of that stuff happens during, uh, because it's big again. So uh, of course, as soon as we do it, the devil tries to throw all kinds of stuff at us. And I always say, go to hell. I mean, it's, God is more powerful. So we want to make sure um, that we are under the blessing of God and we're doing God's will this weekend. So pray for us because not only do I do that, I have a funeral of a great uh, friend and uh, parishioner. Uh, I have to leave the retreat for at lunchtime and, and bury her. And then I have all the masses on Sunday. So I have the three parish masses and the mass for the retreat program. And uh, so that'll be four, five, six, seven, eight masses I'm going to take, say, in the next couple of days, which I love to say mass, but to preach and be on for everyone, it gets like, oh, by Sunday night, it's going to be a very quiet mass <laughs> at seven o'clock on Sunday. So if you uh, want a very quiet mass, I'm not even going to tell them to play music that week. We're just going to have quiet. I'm going to do everything in and out, and that's going to be about it for Sunday night because I will be exhausted. So I am fine. Thank you for asking, Cameron. Jerry, blessed to be here. Thanks to be the God. Yes, Jenny, good afternoon. Jenny, I don't, I didn't understand the Old Testament joke in this morning's homily. <laughs> Let me explain it to you. I, a lot of people didn't get it. But for those of you who are watching and don't get, this is what's happening. So the, the Old Testament especially is uh, very earthy is the best way to say it. So what it says here is, uh, we have to make sure this today. Yes, yes, yes. As a woman about to give birth, rise and cries out in her pains, so were we in your presence. So it's talking about they are in pain, they're having stomach pains, just like a woman in labor, O Lord. But instead of producing a child, what does it say? We conceived and writhed in pain, giving birth to the wind, meaning they were passing gas, 
meaning they were farting. (laughs) I can't say that word at mass, but I can say it on my podcast. So that's why it's just so funny that in the word of God, it talks about farting. Can you imagine? And uh, so they're not... um, they're not giving birth to something alive. They're giving birth to bad air, you know, so they're passing gas is what I said this morning. So I hope that that explained it for you, uh, Jenny, and it wasn't too much information. <laughs> but thanks for asking that. Hi, Julie. Um, hi, Father, new listener. Love your show. Thank you for being with us. Harry, good evening, Father and all from Paris. Or France. Um, Fish for Friday, Harry asked. A tradition I love. Glad you do. I don't like that tradition. But anyway, uh, what is the background to it? Just I am just planning my meals for tomorrow. Um, again, if you... The, the background of it was only poor people, only the rich people could afford meat. So when uh, the church asked everybody to eat fish, it was so we could all be poor, you know, and identify with the poor. Now it's the exact opposite, correct? Now fish usually costs more than meat. And you get lobster and all that kind of stuff, and you spend, you know, all this money for it. Um, But the reality was that the church after Vatican II changed it. Why? Because it's still on the books about the... um, about no meat, but they allowed the bishops of each country to change the reality. Again, why? Because some people love fish. So when you eat fish on Friday, that is not a penance, and it should be a penance. I've often said, all the people that love fish during Lent, we, might, we should make them eat meat. You know, like, now you got to eat meat every single Friday. Uh, I don't like meat. Point exactly. So the church says, and some people love fish, and we're supposed to do every Friday some kind of penance. That has not changed. Every Friday is a penitential day, and we're supposed to do some kind of penance. And the penance is to empty ourselves of self so that God can fill us with himself. Huh? It's not about me and my disciplines and how good I am. I mean, I'm back to fasting every day, uh, and it's not because of me and I'm being good. It's because for my health. It's because every day I do it for somebody else, and so it's that kind of reality. But uh, we're supposed to do some kind of penance. So the church says we're not going to make everybody do the same penance because it wouldn't be a penance for everybody. But the church says you should... Uh, do something that's penitential on Friday. And again, you can fast on Friday, do bread and water on Friday, uh, give up TV on Friday, give up the internet on Friday, give up the news Friday and every day of your life. All these kind of things, but some kind of penance uh, that we all share with the day that Jesus Christ died for us. So I hope that helps you, Harry. And it's just an aside, talk about the fasting. Last week, I asked you to pray, all to pray for me. I was doing my, getting my uh, blood, and I gave my blood uh, last Friday, or the, I don't know if it's last, anyway, but all my blood work came back, and most of it's very good. My sugar was wacky, uh, and the reason, because I ate like anything, I didn't fast, I ate carbs and sugar, and 
Like the other day, it was another priest's birthday last Wednesday, and they had ice cream cake, and the rector of the cathedral gave me not a little sliver. He gave me a piece that big. So anyway, and so when I got my sugar back, my fasting sugar was 260, which is very high. I've never had sugar that high before. And so then I sat there and said, okay, I got to get my life back in gear. So I went and... um, my seminarian is with me this summer. I said, okay, let's go out. I'm going to have my last hurrah before I do no carbs again and start my fasting regime. Uh, uh, regime. And so uh, we went out and we went to, uh, well, I forget what it is, but uh, it's uh, usually from the north side of Pittsburgh. Uh, I forget. Anyway, but they have individual pizzas, you know, and then uh, I saw I got pizza and I got a beer, of course. Um, a blue moon, which is even worse because it's uh, higher in carbs. And so that night I came back and said, okay, how's this affecting me? What does my sugar look like? (laughs) I came home two hours later. I took my sugar and it was 460 or 440, one of the two. But it it was like, uh, okay, that's not good. I've never, ever had sugar that high. So I had to start going back to fasting, no carbs, everything else. My sugar isn't completely down yet, but it was like 135 this morning, which is getting more into range. It should be under 115. Um, And usually my sugar's under 100 all these years. Before in October, before everything hit me with my dogs, my mother and everything else, when I went to the doctor, I was 172 pounds. My A1C was uh, 5.9. My A1C last Friday was 9.9. Can you imagine? I know, I know. Don't email me and say things. Father, you have to take care of yourself. I get it, I get it, I get it. And it's all because of me not watching what I ate because I still work out every day. I do the elliptical every day, but it was just, uh, yeah. So thank you for your prayers and it uh, got me to get my life back in gear. So <laughs> that's, that's the side there. Hello, Father. West Covina, California. I love it. We are all excited even at 9 p.m. <laughs> Harry. Just eat fish every day and say you're doing penance. There you go. Luis, hi, Father. God bless. Who are your favorite saints? My favorite saint, of course, is Joseph and Mary. Mary and Joseph. Uh, but then I have uh, great devotion to Pierre Giorgio Frasetti. My One of my favorite of all saints, of course, we've talked about before, is my great, 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 grandmother, Elizabeth of Hungary, who has been like, it's been 19 generations. I can never remember how many generations, but St. Elizabeth had a daughter, Sophia. She had three. And again, think about this. She was, if she would not have had sex, to be very blunt about it. I wouldn't exist. And think about how many saints actually had sex in their lifetime, because most of them were priests and religious and virgins. And here Elizabeth Ann Seton was a queen, and she was married, and she had these children, and she died at 24. So even dying so young... um, through her daughter Sophia, it goes all the way down through all the generations, and there's more than one saint in the line. I think there's three of them, and uh, so it goes all the way down the line through my grandmother, through my mother to me. And again, at my, uh, I've been at my parish now 20 years. I'm in my 21st year, and we just found this out like about. And those, there's some of you already know the story, but it's for the other ones. We found out about uh, six or seven years ago 
my uh, found out my genealogy, and uh, my cousin called my mother when she was still alive, and she says, uh, he said, do you think uh, Larry would like to know we have a saint in the family? And my mother actually called me and says, would you like to know we have a saint in the family? I go, yes. And so uh, he said, it's Elizabeth of Hungary. And I says, would you show me, send me all the the paperwork on that so I can make sure it and trace it down to make sure it's all real. And it is. And so the often throughout these 20 years, I've said mass at the back altar of my church. And I have a high back altar hand carved in Cologne, Germany on the Rhine in 1910. And it's been there. And so if I don't have the main mass, uh, if I have a private mass, I would always say, like if I came home late from a trip or something, I'd say mass at the back altar. And at the very top of the altar in the center, uh, you can see it at mass. If you watch the daily mass is the, the Trinity. Underneath the Trinity is the, the pelican. And then under there's the cross. And under there then is the tabernacle. And the tabernacle has the annunciation on it. But next to the cross on the two sides, there's two women saints. And on the right side, as you look up, so the people look at the right side, is St. Elizabeth of Hungary. And uh, you can always tell Elizabeth of Hungary because she has the basket of flowers because it was saying she was taking uh, food to the poor and the king or something tried, what do you have in your hand? And she opened it and all these flowers were there. She's not only there, but she's in our big window from Germany. And uh, all these years without me knowing it, I'd look up at her in the middle of mass um, and then I find out she's my grandmother. So it was fantastic, you know. So when I told the bishop that, he goes, uh, isn't it a shame you didn't get the uh, the holy gene? I said, stop it, you miserable. But anyway, so so those are my big saints, Francis. I mean, I have saints in heaven praying for me all the time. So hope that's good. Any suggestions for visiting an uh, agnostic who is actively dying in hospice? absolutely you go there and love him and you give him hope say because especially agnostic they don't know one way or the other and uh, if you ask them if you could pray for them and then pray with them because if they're agnostic they'll usually uh, let you do that Uh, one of the greatest things you could do is especially if they're not conscious is just say the divine mercy chaplet for them and put their name in there. So let's say their name is Tom. You say, because of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on Tom and on the whole world. Because of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on Tom and on the whole world. And you're taking the grace of God and the mercy of God, and you're focusing it on your friend who's dying. And mercy is giving something good to someone who doesn't deserve it. So you could be an instrument of salvation and an instrument of hope, but just love them and just pray for them. Okay? And we'll all pray with you. Sunshine on my shoulders makes me happy. Sunshine 87. If you are enrolled in the brown scapular, does that transfer in the red and blue scapulars as well? I have no idea what the red and blue scapular is. I'm very sorry, Sunshine uh, 87. But uh, it wouldn't. <laughs> because the the brown scapular the uh, you're installed in that and it's more than just a scapular you're installed into all the stuff of the carmelites the priests and the nuns so the other one would be another scapular altogether all scapulars are not the same the brown scapular which has the promise whoever dies wearing this will not suffer eternal hell again and uh, i love the place that i get my scapulars 
uh, you can always uh, look because they're the old ones. And it's, you know, there's Simon Stock here, Our Lady of Mount Carmel. And it says, Behold the sign of salvation. And with these, it comes with a cross, a little crucifix. And uh, St. Benedict is on there, the thing of St. Benedict. And I always put, of course, the miraculous meadow on there. But I always, 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 we were installed in the Holy Brown Scapular after our first communion that was given to us. So I've worn one almost uh, all the years since then. I only take it off when I take a shower. Um, so, but yeah, it's a specific thing for the brown scapular. The other ones, I don't even know what that is. So the best thing to do is uh, I look on the internet and uh, find out uh, what the things are because I do not know. I'm sorry, sunshine. Lawrence of Las Vegas. How are you, Lawrence? At least your name is a good name. Okay, hi, Father. I always hear in your talks that you say to spend the holy hour each day. You betcha. I work long hours. Majority of the time I spend my day in the car. Is it okay to spend my hour in prayer? As long as you're listening. But they also have the Perpetual Adoration Chapel. Every time I go to Vegas, I go downtown to the Perpetual Adoration Chapel. It's open 24 hours. There's not even a code. So a lot of times when I'm down in Vegas, I'm in there at 4 o'clock in the morning and the... Uh, there's all these street people in there too. So one morning, I didn't have my clerics on, and I'm in the Adoration Chapel. At, I forget the name of the, the church, but it's not, uh, you know, they have it uh, up by the Luxor and that off the strip, but 24 hours is actually, that, that's closed half the time. But the one downtown is actually open 24 hours a day. So I get when I go there, and so I didn't have my clerics on, I'm doing my holy hour, and as I'm sitting there with the Lord, uh, one of the people there, and says, he starts screaming at me. He was mentally uh, not well. And he says, uh, do you know that that's Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, that that's God right there? And I turned over and I go, uh, yes, sir, I'm a priest. Oh, <laughs> that was the end of it. But there is a place you can go 24 hours a day, Lawrence. You can get up early in the morning. You can do all this stuff, and you can spend time with the Lord. But your prayer counts no matter where. But to spend in the actual presence of Almighty God, you know, it's like when you spend time uh, in the sun, you will get an S-U-N tan or an S-U-N burn just by being there. When you spend time with Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, the Son of God, the Lord of Lords, you get an S-O-N tan or an S-O-N burn, and it'll transform you. The more naked you are before Jesus spiritually, the more he can transform you. So, of course, pray in the car, but you should at least, at least, if you can't do a holy hour every day, to spend one hour every week in front of the Blessed Sacrament at the church in Vegas. You can't tell me it's not there. I'm there all the time. So I just encourage you to do that. Also pray for my youth group going to Steubenville Conference this weekend. Absolutely. I used to speak at all those conferences for many years uh, when I was younger. Now they think I'm too old. But anyway, I could still, I was just invited to say a mass for a bunch of kids from uh, Diocese of Indianapolis here in Erie uh, the other day who were here on the mission trip. And so I went out there on uh, Tuesday and those uh, poor kids just weren't used to someone like me. <laughs> 
So it was, we had a fine time. But anyway, I told all the priests, all the boys to be priests and all the girls to be nuns. And they would, all these high school kids. But I can still handle high school kids. That's what I always say. Don't let the gray hairs fool you. I can still keep a bunch of high school kids' attention for a while. So I don't know why I'm never asked to give high school retreats anymore. They think you got to be young to do that. But I don't agree. And like this weekend, most of the people that make my DME retreat are high school kids. And God uh, can do great things with that. Okay. Do, 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 do. Okay. Is it wrong to say our blessed mother was an unwed mother? Of course it would be wrong at the Annunciation. She, she was betrothed to Joseph. It's uh, betrothed means she was already married. It's a, it's a, it's a term that it was given, but always traditionally it says that Mary was the spouse of the Holy spirit. So her true spouse was God himself. So, uh, it would, uh, so you couldn't actually say she was unwed mother, even though a lot of people do that right now. Uh, I get it, but it's not exactly theologically correct. The French verb to fart is Peter ho-hum. <laughs> Oh, Harry. Anyway, sunshine, do you have a particular devotion that you would recommend? The devotions I say every day, of course, are the rosary, because when the God of the, the God's mother leaves heaven and comes to earth and asks us to say the rosary, I will obey and I will listen. Also, the very first thing I do every morning after I uh, spend time with scripture and I kneel in front of Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament is I say the Divine Mercy Chaplet, begging God's mercy on me and on the whole world. Uh, so, so again, those are my two uh, great devotion um, for devotional stuff. Okay. Steve LeJohn, you pagan. Great homily on the first reading this morning. I never got that. <laughs> I don't know what it is that you people not getting it. I don't get it. But anyway, I thought I'd bring it up because I, the reason I do things like that is that most people do not pay attention to the word and they don't understand the word. They're just listening. Uh, okay, I have to listen to me. But it's so full of stuff. Um, and things that we just uh, think about, like one of the psalms and one of the uh, responsorial psalms, you know, I, I just can't imagine we have it at Mass all the time, not all the time, but it comes up that you will nurse at their abundant breasts. Think about it. And it's, <laughs> that's what it says. We say it at Mass. Uh, it's part of the psalms, and uh, uh, people don't get it, you know? So uh, it's just like, uh, those who are prudish, when they really read, like, again, especially the Old Testament, oh my gosh, like uh, one of my favorite stories, the Old Testament, it's, it's, a, it's a bad one, just so, not bad, but yeah, it's not something that's very politically correct to know, but the story of Phineas, Phineas was the high priest, and a Jewish man brought in one of the temple prostitutes from another um, idol religion and he goes and he brings her into the center of the temple of the holy god of israel and he starts having intercourse with her in the middle of the temple huh so what does phineas do and god calls phineas out with the zeal of phineas look at my man phineas what did he do he walked up to the couple and so here's the guy on top of the woman to be pretty explicit about it but i want you to get the image he takes a spear and he spears them as one person so while they're having intercourse, he spears them right through and kills them both. 
And God says, look at the zeal of Phineas. So again, it's filled with all these kind of images and stories. And it's like, oh my gosh. Or even again, you go back to King David when King David, you know, uh, Saul wants him dead, but he sat there and says, you know, why don't you marry my daughter? And he goes, I can't marry your daughter. He says, all I want is a hundred foreskins from the whatever uh, other countryman it was. He goes, is that it? So he went and he killed all these men, the Philistines. He killed all the, these Philistine men. He cut off their foreskin. Think about that after they're dead. And he counts them out one by one in front of Saul. Can you imagine? Just it's so foreign to us. And uh, sometimes we just try to take our piety and our thinking of things of today and uh, we try to put it back there, but it doesn't work when you really look into the scriptures. They're very earthy. Um, and that always gives me hope because I don't know if you people know this or not, but I'm a very earthy person. Did you know my, my classmate calls me blue collar? We're going to London uh, uh, next month on uh, August 16th, God willing, and uh, we're going to spend a week there. And so we're looking for Airbnbs right now. Um, and, you know, he wants to be near Westminster Abbey. And it's expensive as heck to get there. And, you know, every time we find one, it's already booked in that. So it's kind of like, uh, it's just funny. Anyway, but he always calls me blue collar. So I'm go- when I go over there, I could eat just plain. He wants to eat the best, the best, the best. So I have to do that too. So anyway, here we go. So thank you. Harry, again, there is a stained glass window in the Church of St. Mary the Virgin uh, ben Fleet, dedicated St. Margaret of Hungary. It's St. Elizabeth of Hungary, not Margaret. Here's a St. Margaret, but this is St. Elizabeth. Did I say Margaret? St. Elizabeth of Hungary. Um, and that was an Anglican church, yes. Uh, she was, um, um, she had a big shrine in, um, in Austria, and then the Protestants came and spread, uh, store bodies spread all over because there was great devotion to her. But anyway, so, okay, let's take some, Let's go here. Da, 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 da. Hey, Father Larry, keep up the good work. Thank you, Caden. Susan, Father Larry, come to see you next week from Michigan. I will be there, God willing. Uh, Bruce, on my way to Erie now, do you have any confessions prior to 4.15? Uh, yeah, it's 3 o'clock, but I will not be in. The Father Dennis will be there uh, at uh, 3 o'clock because I will be in the middle of giving a retreat. Cheryl, after 20 years as your secretary, I definitely would have gotten that joke. Yes, you would have. Did you see I sent you, Cheryl, uh, Dave, uh, obituary? I sent it to the other day in mail. You never responded. But anyway, our, the first guy I ever fired from St. Joe's, uh, you know, I was only there the month, and you, <laughs> so he just passed away. So I, I sent you the email. St. Elizabeth, yes, I often get that wrong. There you go. Very good. So let's go in here again. It's open for the chat, live chat. Any questions, you can type them in, those of you who are watching. But we have plenty of emails, so we can go on the emails now. Hi, Father Larry. In the eyes of the church, is living with someone basically the same as someone who doesn't get married in the church or have their marriage blessed? Yes, that's correct. Because to be married uh, in the church, you have to have the permission. uh, To be married, you have to, a Catholic is bound by the rules of the church, which means you get married in the church, or you can get permission from the bishop to get married outside the church. Like if you're marrying a Jewish person, you need a, a dispensation for that, but you need to go through Rome, or it just doesn't count. They're not married or living together. Yep, can't do it. 
Okay, here we go. Yes, you did. Well, that's good. Uh, Jim asks, there is a young man in his early 20s who has been baptized in a Protestant church, but he is not attending any church. We have taken him to Mass a few times now, and he's, opening, he's open to listening. What CD of yours would you recommend in a situation for someone who's interested in listening but not ready to commit to RCIA? You don't have to get my CDs anymore. You just go to Our Hope TV. It's an app, Our Hope TV. Just go whatever you get your apps, Our Hope TV. And I would encourage him to do that or you to do that and listen first to the truth, the truth. Uh, it's my basic one about we got to pray, we got to love. There's a thing to surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, what it means to pray, what it means to love. I tell my dad's story there. It's the, it's the best one to start out with me. I always never start off, most of the world is started off listening to Father Larry by listening to my confession talk. I listen to that and I cringe, you know. So that's only for those who are already in the church. Uh, I wouldn't start people with that. The Mass Explained would also be a good for someone coming in. So I hope that helps. Can you explain how we know that Mary was assumed? Is there any mention of that when she left earth or how long after Jesus ascended? It's a beautiful image. The, uh, there's nothing in Scripture about that. And they, we get it because the church fathers uh, talked about it. In fact, with the assumption... You know, the churches went back and forth, and it's never been uh, dogmatically taught whether Mary died or whether she never died and was just taken up into heaven or she fell asleep. You know, the Orthodox call it the uh, sleep of Mary or the uh, dormation or whatever of Mary. Um, but John Paul II once came out and said Mary died. And I think the reason that we, we believe that, that first she died and then her body was taken up into heaven is in a resurrection, being taken up, as opposed to Jesus ascended, Mary was assumed, taken up by God into heaven, body and soul, because uh, as Jesus did, so we all do. And as Mary was uh, taken up, we'll all get our bodies back. But the early church fathers all believe that, and that was the tradition. That's why we always go from a scripture and tradition because scripture doesn't have everything, but the early church fathers who were there, uh, and this is what they talked about. Uh, and if Jesus died, I would think Mary would die uh, too and then be resurrected. But again, it's not been dogmatically defined either way. Okay. Yes, we will pray for your family. Dear Father Larry, my question is, what advice do you have for a person whose vocation is unfulfilled? I am in my late 50s and single. I believe my vocation was to be married, but that has not happened. I don't believe my vocation was to be single, and it doesn't make sense for a vocation to be by default. You're right. How should I think of living my life? I like your advice around following God's will. Uh, do I accept my vocation not to be fulfilled separately, but, I, but related? I don't feel like the church is very inclusive to older single persons, and it creates a lack of belonging. I can sympathize with gay people as they probably feel this way as well. What are your thoughts? First of all, my church has more uh, older gay, uh, not gay people, no, as far as I know, but they, we have a lot of older single people. We have a lot of older single people at our church, so we try to incorporate them. So, But not every place does it. A lot of them are, are more uh, family-centered. We're trying to be more family-centered here soon. But again, no, you're not dead yet there, uh, Erica. God still has a plan for you. And so what you got to do is, you know, 
go to ask St. Anne, but your vocation, Erica, is to do God's will. That's what a vocation is. So it, it isn't by default. It could be that this is where God has brought you to here, and he still has someone for you. One of my parishioners, I married them. They had not been married, and they were uh, 70 years old when they got married. You know, and it was a fine time. They had uh, 10 great years together. But, uh, you know, the tradition is you go to St. Anne, the mother of Mary, and the prayer is very simple. St. Anne, St. Anne, find me a man. <laughs> and uh, uh, I would make a novena. But what you want is to always say, God, whatever you want is what I want. If you want me to be single, then I'll be single. If you want me to be married, then I'll be married. If you want me to be a nun, then I'll be a nun. Whatever it is. Uh, we don't determine our vocation. We don't tell God what our vocation is. He'll let us do anything we want. But he created us for a purpose. And so you have to ask God what that purpose is and live it. Uh, that's saying yes. Again, my uh, book on surrender goes through the whole thing about how do you know God's will and you know step by step how to do that. So uh, that helps. Or you can go and listen to the uh, CD uh, called Knowing God's Will. And it's not CD, but you can get it again on Our Hope TV. And man, Knowing God's Will is what it's called. Okay, here we go. You got to tell me what, uh, Trifana, what uh, Matthew 7.15 is. I'm answering other things. It would be easier if you did that. Okay, good morning, Father Larry. How are you doing these days? Fine. I am taking a new role in my career as an educator, transferring from the truancy officer to educator in the classroom. The new role, I believe, was an answer from God to work uh, with teens who are struggling emotionally and socially. The new facility is a part on the public Rio Rancho Public Schools, so instead of students getting suspended from school and staying home and playing video games, which some teams want, for serious incidents from bringing a weapon to school to fighting to insubordination of school staff, the student comes to the student. Okay, I'm t making, taking the summer to pray on my new journey, what God has called me on. However, how do I reach them with my faith without violating any of their religious beliefs? I am a believer, and everyone has the right to whatever religion they practice or non-practice religion. I would like to hear your perspective, because if I'm not mistaken, Father, you've been in a classroom with teens and have clear understanding what it's like to deal with adolescent teens. Um, any faith-based books you could recommend would be great, and I can reference them. Martin, the biggest thing you do is everybody talks about uh, love because uh, God is love. So you can proclaim uh, that they need to be loved, that you're there to love them. You can't touch them or anything, of course, nowadays, but you can help them to know and to show them because uh, most of them have no fathers, you know, and so you can be their father uh, spiritually, if you will, by loving them and giving them a solid base to stand on. You know, I wish I could remember it was the, uh, you might want to go to the Protestant website, uh, family, uh, what is it, family, 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 whatever, family. And there's a thing about the greatest teacher ever or whatever. And one of the things I learned from him, and he worked at a public school, but he was a Christian. Uh, he has, oh gosh, Focus on the Family is the website. So you can just say Teacher of the Year or something, and they have a book there. And it talks about what he would do is something I adopted is sit at the, in the, uh, take a different kid every day. And before the kid came to class or whatever, sit in their um, 
desk and just pray for them and their intentions. You can also take the names of all the people that you're teaching, write their names down and pray for them, fast for them, and you're building the whole work for them. Huh? And then after time goes on, you can share what, how God has worked in your life without pushing anything. All you're doing is sharing, and that's allowed. You're allowed to share. Of course you are. You're just not allowed to push. So hopefully that helps. Uh, that'll help you there. Okay, beware of false prophets. Beware of false prophets. May God judge you the way you're judging everybody else. Really? It's false prophets. <laughs> You can believe anything you want, but I know Jesus Christ. I am with him every day for an hour. I know him, and only the church of Jesus Christ talks about the reality. God said to Peter, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the uh, gates of hell will not prevail against it. He didn't say it to you or the cult you follow. He said it to the church of Jesus Christ, the Roman Catholic Church. So thank you for watching. Uh, but keep your opinion like that to yourself. Thank you very much. Um, now you do know that I'm going to, uh, right at this very moment, uh, ban you. Hide user from channel. Thank you very much for, for coming. <laughs> ah, here we go. Which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravaging wolves uh, is the nearest one to me. Exactly correct. But they were trying to uh, talk everybody about me being a, an anti or a false prophet. And again, I would encourage you that we should always test every spirit. Just because I say things doesn't make it to be true. And that's why I say, you know, if someone was listening to me for years like... Uh, what was it? I was talking someone, you know, my, my chats here, one of the old guys put out stuff about uh, who goes to hell. And I talked about Matthew 25. And so this guy uh, was yesterday or the day before on my um, YouTube channel, just went at me. You know, it's disgusting to listen to you, father. Uh, you're just a loud mouth, arrogant, whatever. And he says, uh, I know I'm a good Catholic and I was a pharmacist and I left and then he sat there and he says, you're the one going to hell. And then he says, uh, uh, I can't even stand hearing your voice. So I don't respond to people like that normally like I just did because I'm right in the midst of it. I just delete them and ban them from the thing because people who are like this aren't interested in truth. If they were to dialogue and ask me a question like, Father, why do you believe this? Why do you believe this? Then I would answer them. But just to sit there and say false prophets is uh, not someone that's open to truth. They're just then pushing their particular things. Can you uh, provide any recommendations for helping people understand purgatory? Well, again, purgatory, um, it's in... The only thing the church teaches is, one, that it exists, and two, it's a good and holy thing to pray for the dead. Everything else is conjecture. The way I explain it, as I've explained it before, is God is love. And so when a person dies, we're saved by God and his grace in Jesus Christ, of course. And God comes and he embraces us. So if we still have selfishness, if we're in a state of grace, but we still have uh, uh, petty sin, venial sin, when God embraces us, his fire is burning and it burns away all the selfishness as he pulls us closer to himself. 
It's just a place of purification. Pope Benedict says it could be an instant that that happens because there is no time in um, uh, heaven after a person dies. There is no more time. Time ceased to exist. We live in an eternal now. But what I'd encourage you, if you're really interested, there's so much online. You just got to watch that, or there's so many books. Purgatory is really big right now. But there's so many books that just scare the hell out of people. And I don't think... um, but that's the way to go, scaring the hell out of people. Because then they come to God out of selfishness, so they don't go to hell. They don't come to God out of love. And the greatest commandment of Jesus, as you all heard last Sunday, was you shall love the Lord your God. You know, again, Jesus, when the man asked him, uh, what must I do to go to heaven? And Jesus said, what do you think? And he says, I must love the Lord my God, all my heart, all my soul, and all my strength, and I must love others as myself. Yes, do this, he said, and you shall live. So these are the words of the God of the universe. We are called to love God and love others. Uh, That's it. Uh, Now, to love God, you know, St. Augustine said years ago, love God and do what you will. And it says, is that it? Yeah, okay, but if you really love God, you're going to do only what he wants you to do. So it's not like, oh, that's all I have to do is love God. Oh, yeah, you have to love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. Different type reality. So hopefully that will help. Okay, here you go. The Catholic Church and Catholics are coming under renewed pressure from some since the Roe decision was handed down. Oh, it sure has. Somebody recently posted on Facebook an image that said the church will not baptize a full-term stillborn child or provide a funeral mass for that child. It's never taken a breath. Not correct. Uh, We won't baptize a child because you have to be living to receive baptism. But let me tell you, I've done it before um, just because God will take care of that. But And I've had funerals before uh, for stillborns. So they wonder why the church holds life begins at conception. Are either of those statements true? Uh, best way to respond to them. Again, uh, they're partly true, which is always what goes on. But I've had uh, stillborn uh, funerals, of course. Uh, but And I have baptized stillborn babies. Uh, people go crazy and, you know, people... Uh, but again, it's just baptism is for the living is the, the main thing for that. So that's why, like, you're not supposed to anoint someone who's died either. Um, so I always say, who knows if the spirit has left that body yet. Uh, so if I come in and he just died, I anoint them. Um, if a baby's born, I always, because again, God takes care of this. God is bigger than us. And, you know, sometimes people go crazy and I say, well, I'd rather just be an instrument of God. Okay. All things good. Hi, Father. What do you think of so many Catholics do not believe in the real presence? Yep, you got that right. And I think the reason is because a lot of uh, priests don't believe, and I say that sadly, but I, you know, again, I try to get people in my parish just to go to daily mass. And uh, I know priests that don't go to daily mass. I know deacons that don't go to daily mass. And I can't even begin to get that. You know, especially if you're a minister of the altar, that you should desire daily mass. You know, and so... uh, my stepfather's trying to call me, which I cannot get, but I'll call him back. But anyway, which I just don't get. But uh, if you really believe in the real presence, you would be at daily mass, period. Just period. That's why when I do a deacon retreat, just period. I don't want to listen to you. You should just give up being a deacon if you're not going to daily mass, 
period. Period, comma, end of all paragraphs. I've said it all over the world when I've done deacon retreats. But again, same thing with priests, period. If you don't want to say daily mass, then you shouldn't be a priest, period. It's God himself and God comes to you and wants to feed you with his precious body and blood, period. You're, an alt, you're a, a, a servant of the altar. You're a minister of the altar. So you need to do that. So if we don't have devotion to the real presence, that's why I spend a whole hour every single day. Do I have to spend a whole hour every day? Not according to teaching of the church, but you got to go beyond what is required of you when you're in love, right? That's what I just believe. I just don't get it. So, um, but I think that's the biggest thing. And hopefully the Eucharistic, these three years of Eucharist revival is going to help. Um, so we'll see. But that's what my biggest thing. Once you spend time with Jesus, uh, you know he's there and then you'll do everything. Okay. Erica, please pray for others. Don't have age limits if that he's calling you. Exactly. Some orders if it's what God's calling you to, of course. How can you be sure that you're doing the will of God? How should you pray for clarity? In his will is our peace is the, the most basic way to say in that. Okay. Confession has always been a struggle for me. I've heard of your confessions, and you had the privilege, I had the privilege of going to your confession at a women's conference. Praise God for the ability to confess and feel forgiven. I live far away, though I would attend your church. I do attend my church regularly, enjoy my church and pastor. I often attend Bible classes, good, and volunteer at the church. Um, my question is, though, do you hear confessions over a phone? Oh, if only... Uh, uh, I. I I can't hear him over the phone. I can't hear him on Zoom. A sacrament needs to have a physical encounter, one-on-one -on -one encounter. I do attend confession regularly, but feel lost of words to tell my sins. Your questions make it easier. Say yes or no. Just get a good, uh, before you go to confession, pray the Holy Spirit to reveal your sins and good, get a good examination of conscience. You can go to our website, thereasonforourhope.org, and you go meet Father Larry, and there's a sin list there. And you can download that sin list. It's in English and Spanish. And you can take that with you. I always tell people, don't bring it to me. But you could take that with you or go through that before you go to confession. And they'll give you plenty of things to focus on. Okay. Hope that's good. Uh, hello, Father. Hope you're doing well. Yes. What is your thought on Pelosi getting communion from the Pope? Thank you, Father. Gina Marie. Uh, I think, uh, I, like I always say, they should not be receiving, and he didn't receive from the Pope. It was done at the, uh, it was done at the Papal Mass, though. I don't think she received from him. I don't know. I might be wrong on that. But again, he always talks about, again, we don't have to be the ones who judge. The Word of God says, if you receive communion unworthily, you bring judgment upon yourself, and that's why so many of you are sick and so many of you are dying that the God of the universe can deal with people. And there's that promise there that they get sick or die. So I always tell people, don't receive communion if you're not worthy. I've never, ever, ever, ever denied anyone communion, and I wouldn't. I tell them ahead of time they shouldn't go. But if they do that, they're bringing judgment upon themselves and a curse upon themselves. And again, for those of you who wonder where that is, it's in 1 Corinthians. And again, God, we, you, you can't, God is the one who does the judging, and he does it pretty strongly here. And so I don't get crazy over this stuff. I listen to the Holy Father. Again, 
I hear all these people who don't, but that's, that's, that's up to them, not me. So here it goes. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and I got to get out of here soon. And it says, I received from the Lord what I handed on to you, that he took the bread, da, da, da. In the same way he took the cup, as often. Therefore, verse 27, listen. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord unworthily will have to answer for the body and blood of the Lord. To answer for the body and blood. A person should examine himself first. This is verse 28. And so eat of the bread and drink the cup. Verse 29, for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks a judgment on himself. Verse 30, that is why many among you are ill and infirm and a considerable number are dying. If we discerned ourselves, we would not come under judgment. So when you receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus, uh, it's the bread of life, but it can become the bread of death if you receive him unworthily. Now, unworthily, of course, is if you believe that we can kill babies in a womb, but unworthily, of course, is if you haven't forgiven anybody. Unworthily, of course, if you're in mortal sin, you got drunk, you missed mass on Sunday. There's all kinds of reasons why you cannot receive communion. We just pick uh, right now in Pelosi and Biden and all that stuff, and they should not receive communion. Absolutely not. But... We have to pray for their conversion, but all we're doing is going crazy on them. And uh, if the Holy Father says we need to be pastoral to try to save them, that's what I believe. But God will deal with the judgment all by himself. He doesn't need me, and he doesn't need you. Uh, I'm, I'm positive he doesn't need me. So I'm not too sure of whether he needs you or not, but I know he doesn't need me. So anyway, okay. My French catechism book has a sin list that is written for children, so it's a little vague. I know I'm supposed to come as a child, but yeah. <laughs> go to my website and under, get rid of it, download the sin list. Okay, I dealt with that one. Hi, in John 3.16, why is the past tense of the world love used? God so loves, why didn't God say God so loves the world? Because again, Gina Marie, it's what he did with Jesus on the cross. You know, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So it was what he did then. And so that's what uh, Jesus is trying to get to them. He wasn't on the cross yet, but he was born. And again, remember uh, in Matthew chapter one, it says, you will name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So he's saying that, of course, God so loved the world forever, but he proved that he loved the world by giving the world me is what he's saying. I am the proof that God loves the world. Huh? So hopefully that goes. Um, hi, Julie, Ryan. I will have a great good. You too. Within a trinity, does the Father adore Jesus or just love him? They don't adore, adore each other. They love each other because that's who the Spirit is. Okay. Hi, Father. My oldest son is 22 years old and is on the spectrum, so he sees everything in black and white. How do I explain him the Eucharist? And that Jesus meant it literally, while another party said to gouge out your eyes and cut off your hands if he leads you to sin. The biggest thing, the way I do is I'd pull out a newspaper. And if you pull out a newspaper, you show him, here's the comics, here's the editorials, here's the, and here's the news. One thing is all written, and it says, so when they say the front, it's the news about hopefully factual things that are happening. When you get to the editorials, it's people's opinion about what happens. And if you get to the comics, it has nothing to do with anything. It's just for entertainment. 
The Bible is filled with that type of stuff. So you have to put it in a context, whether he meant this physically or whether he was trying to give an example of uh, hyperbole. Uh, so hopefully that helps. It's, it, you know, it's hard to just say that. So, okay. Do, 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 do. Okay, so that's all we got. So again, I'm very grateful. I'll get to these last two. Thank you for all you who uh, wrote uh, and asked questions and came here and was with us and all those who come later. It's always a joy to be with you. Uh, pray for me and pray for the weekend. Again, I always pray for you every day and uh, I love you, especially those of you I know, the other ones I love by praying for you and by uh, fasting for you. So uh, hopefully those of you I haven't met, hope to meet someday. Again, encourage you, if you want, come to the Holy Land with me. And next uh, May 10th, God willing, we're going to have a fantastic time. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless, keep, and protect you. He was Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you.